Everybody's a dreamer. Everybody's a star. Everybody's in showbiz. It doesn't matter who you are. There are stars in every city, in every house, and on every street. And if you walk down Hollywood Boulevard, their names are written in concrete. It's that time of year again. While we will not be strolling the streets of Hollywood Boulevard or Annapolis, we can get our pod together and enjoy 10 days of the 9th Annual Annapolis Film Festival. It is virtual this year, and we will be talking to the movers and shakers and those that make it all happen. The Annapolis Film Festival, April 8th through 18th. Tickets and more at annapolisfilmfestival.org. All the stars as you walk down Hollywood Boulevard. Some that you recognize. Joining us on the phone today are director Christopher Boone and Kevin Smokler, who are the directors and producers of a film that will be debuting at the Annapolis Film Festival called Vinyl Nation. And I'm really kind of excited to talk about this because vinyl, we're not talking about the slipcovers of my grandmother's couch. We're talking about records, of course. How are you guys doing? Great, John. Thanks for having us. Good. Yeah, thanks so much. This is records, right? It's not my grandmother's couch, right? <laughs> it, it could be, but we, we, we made a movie about records. To the I think so, Chris. Isn't that right? Yeah, I don't think we were making it about vinyl siding, uh, but, you know, there's always, there's always room for a sequel. This is a great movie, and I can't wait to see it. Um, I have seen the trailer on the Annapolis Film Festival website, and anybody can watch that. That's at annapolisfilmfestival.org. And this will be available to see in the comfort of your own living room or your friend's living room or wherever you watch your TVs beginning April 9th at 9 a.m. And it will be available through April 18th at 1145 p.m. So you can pretty much watch it anytime that you want. And the way their technology works is that you have to watch it. You can pause it to go get food or go to the bathroom or something like that, but you can't stop it and then restart it up like two days later. You've got to sort of watch it in one segment. Get your passes and tickets at annapolisfilmfestival.org. There's tons of great movies that are out there, and this is one of them, and one that I'm actually kind of excited about because I've got lots of regrets about my vinyl collection, uh, or my the thing formerly known as my vinyl collection. You know, I'm so excited to see how vinyl has made a re rebirth here in America. So tell us a little bit about Vinyl Nation. Where did this come from? Yeah, this is Kevin. The the idea, the, the original idea was mine, and, and it was it, it came from uh, paying sort of casual attention to, to, to the comeback of vinyl records in America, which is now a, a worldwide comeback, by the way, um, that began in 2008. And it was coincidentally right around the time I, I had, a, I had acquired a cheap turntable from someone who had, who had, was looking to unload it. Um, and so I was a, I was a casual vinyl listener. Uh, I, I, neither Chris nor I are old enough to have been around when vinyl was the only way people listened to, to music at home. Um, and so I was, I was curious about the comeback of vinyl, but didn't think much of it and, and didn't make the connection at all that I had, I had purchased a turntable right around the time it began. It, it certainly wasn't because I'm a fashion forward person. Um, and then when Chris and I, Chris and I went to university together, but, uh, really got back in touch when I was on book tour uh, in 2016-2017, um, Chris had reached out to me because I'd written a book called Brat Pack America about 80s teen movies. 
and said, hey, listen, you know, I'm wired into the local filmmaking community here in Albuquerque. Why don't, why don't we screen the Breakfast Club or Heather's and uh, you'll come out and do a Q&A. We'll sell some books. We'll eat some, we'll eat some red chili and drink some Toltec beer and, and we'll, we'll, we'll make a weekend of it. And that sounded like fun to me. And, um, and we did that and it was super successful. And we did that five or six times. And in the course of sort of rekindling our friendship, Chris started showing me some of the movies he had made, which I thought were terrific. And I got the idea that I wanted to, that the next thing I wanted to do instead of sit down and write another book was make a movie. And because I only wrote nonfiction books, I was like, I'm only going to be able to make a nonfiction movie, which is a documentary. And I told Chris about this, this idea, this real life idea about the comeback of final that had been weighing on me for a while. And I said, could it make for a good documentary? And Chris said, well, I don't know, but we may as well talk about it and see if we get anywhere with it. I said, all right. And so I went back to California and Chris and I got on the phone like, like every Friday morning. for like, I don't know, four to six months. <laughs> and, um, um, and at some point Chris was like, well, this is either going to be a movie or it's not because, because if we wanted to exist, the following 10 things have to happen. And he, that was his experience talking because he had made movies before. And I was like, well, heck man, we better get started. Then. Right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And uh, I don't know, Chris can, Chris can probably pick it up from there when it actually became a movie instead of us just talking about it being a movie. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a pretty good summary. I mean, we kind of kicked it into high gear. I guess that was at the end of 2018, so we shot it in 2019. The hope was always to release it in 2020, thinking like a fall 2020. We thought maybe that'd be a pretty divided time in our country. Maybe if we made a movie that was about bringing people together over something like vinyl records, that'd be a cool counterpoint. Uh, so we finished it in February 2020, and then a pandemic hit. So that's just something we couldn't anticipate. Uh, yeah, so we've had a, an interesting run uh, so far, and now we're kind of doing things a bit backwards. But here we are in our festival run, and really excited to be part of the Annapolis Film Festival. Well, this is, I mean, the whole vinyl resurrection is is pretty amazing. And I know in the film that you spoke with Brian Burkert, who is with uh, Soundgarden Records up in Baltimore, who mm -hmm. started, mm -hmm. you know, Record Store Day. And and I am, from what you just said, I am realizing now that I am way older than you guys. Um, because, you know, my vinyl collection started probably back in the early 70s with a record store called Peaches. And they used mm, to, yeah. their big thing, they used to sell peach crates. Uh, which was their original, mm -hmm. but they actually manufactured them for records, store records. And then mm -hmm. more recently, uh, or, you know, in the interim there, we shifted into Tower Records, which is no longer around. And they used to have one here in Annapolis in the Harbor Center. But now recently, I'm now at Kachunk, which is on Maryland Avenue, which is a small yeah. little. Um, the legendary Kachunk Records in Annapolis. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's just amazing. We were just actually there on over the weekend and I'm so excited to see it because the sound that comes out of a vinyl record, as you guys know, is different. And I say that the, my former collection is back when DVDs started to come, not DVDs, when CDs first started to come out. So that was probably what, in the late 80s, mid to late 80s? I'm like, I'm like, oh, this, this vinyl's dead. And I gave it or threw it away. I bought them on CDs and, you know, and, and I'm like, now I'm just kicking myself right in the butt because of all the albums that I knew I had that I don't anymore. And now I love to listen to the sound that you get out of vinyl as opposed to the digital stuff that you're downloading and streaming and listening to on CDs. And the comeback has just been phenomenal. Absolutely. I mean, uh, 
Chris has a Chris has a, a better understanding of the technical components of it, the technical aspect of it than I do. But that was a big. There's a whole section in Vinyl Nation about like, does vinyl sound better? And because it's a question we got asked pretty much every time we told anybody we were making a documentary about vinyl records. And I, I will spoil it for you and say we do not come to a conclusion in the, in our movie because I don't think we have a definite opinion on that either. But we definitely do say something about how much more special the experience of listening to records are. Because a stereo is the center of a room, and we often associate the decoration of a room with home and family and friends. And a vinyl record is a big, beautiful thing. You know, it's big enough to cover your face. The, the plastic is, the black plastic looks like looking into the night sky. You've got liner notes and a jacket and cool, like cool, you know, posters and stuff like that inside. It's like, it's like opening a gift. Like, um, and I believe me in the eighties, when I got CDs, I thought they were cool too. They were silver and metallic. And maybe it's because America online at the beginning of the internet distributed thousands and thousands of CD ROMs. Now we associate CDs with office equipment, unfortunately, and they've lost kind of their charm. They, they really have. And, and as you said, it was an event when you got a vinyl record. I, I mean, you, you know, you ran your fingernail or maybe you got a knife or a key or something like that down through the opening to slice the plastic out. Typically, your liner had um, lyrics, so you could sing along to your favorite songs or at least see what the heck they were saying. Again, the gifts, they may have had, you know, pop-outs. They, you know, it was it, it was something amazing. And, and to be honest with you, you know, in my college days, you know, in a drunken stupor, you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, hear the because 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 the, the arm had gone to the end of the record and it's just sitting there just, it's like oh wow okay you know but there was something about that and and i won't say that vinyl sounds better because i mean that's like saying that's like trying to pick your favorite kid you know it it sounds different and it sound you know to me it sounds more rich to you it may sound a little bit different it may sound you know it may sound something else but uh, there is something special and i love that I love a good business story. And here's an industry that was back in the 80s that was destined to die. I mean, mm-hmm. look look at the record stores. You look at, you know, Peaches. You look at Tower. You look at uh, any number of the large record stores, Sam Goody. Um, there's, a, there's a couple others that just aren't around anymore that were huge that, that were done. I mean, you know, when MTV premiered, I mean, the first song they played was Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles. And obviously it didn't. But, you know, vinyl – in the stores, they were decimated. And you had Soundgarden that hung in there, probably by a shoestring. You had Kachunk just by, you know, just by a little bit. And now they've got this great resurgence because everybody is into the vinyl thing. Hey, I can now buy the White Album from the Beatles and listen to this. Yeah, they really tapped into something uh, that, that, that realizing that vinyl is special. And, and, we, and a number of people in the documentary talk about this. You know, how how uh, listening to a record is a full sensory experience. And Kevin likes to say it's basically touches on four of the five senses. Like you can obviously hear it. You can see it. 
Um, you can touch it. You can smell it. It has a smell. I mean, you can taste it if you want, but that's really not. <laughs> that's just kind of weird. The, yeah, that's just a little weird. Um, but it, because of that experience, it's special. And so when Brian Burker in the documentary talks about the noise in the basement conference that, that, that was held at the Sound Garden in Baltimore and bringing together a bunch of record store owners and they were trying to figure out, like, what do we do? Like all the news stories about record stores are just about how we're going out of business, because at that point in time, in the mid 2000s, you know, Napster had had, had really kind of totally upended the music industry. And then iTunes had come along and legitimized it. But everything was going digital. We hadn't quite got to the streaming revolution, but nobody even wanted to own their CDs anymore. So why would you go to a record store? And they weren't seen as cool um, anymore. And so it's like, what are we going to do about this? And they really took a page out of literally took a page out of the, the comic book store model. And they said, well, they have free comic book day. Like maybe we can do something like that. But what is special about music? And I said, well, what about vinyl records? Like, could we get people interested in vinyl records again? And there were a ton of musicians that still had their vinyl collections and love vinyl records. So, so what seemed like maybe it was going to be a Hail Mary pass was actually a really easy ask of bands like Metallica and actually the Rolling Stones, you know, like they were definitely on board to say like, yeah, we'd love to put out a, put out a record and let's do it special and let's do it as a limited release. So when it was only 30 artists the first year, it was like, maybe we have something here, but by the next year, it had already grown and you know and, and kind of blossomed and and from there it starts to take off but what i don't think anybody anticipated was people like my daughter my daughter's 17 years old and they start seeing pictures first on tumblr and then on instagram of bedroom setups with like you know twinkly christmas lights and succulents and then somebody had the bright idea to put a, a crosley cruiser suitcase style turntable on a nightstand in a bedroom and that just caught fire. Like that aesthetic really appealed to teenagers, especially female teenagers. They're like, yes, I want that bedroom. I want that record player. And so Crossley partners with Urban Outfitters and it's essentially off to the races. And then once those kids start working, walking in the Urban Outfitters and they see the Crossley turntables and they see, you know, 30 to 50 records that they can buy, like that looks really cool. I want to get into that. So that's how they're introduced to it. To it, And then pretty soon they themselves are digging in the crates for these records because they've never owned music in a physical format. They've only streamed it. And now look at this big, beautiful record that I can listen to in the cover of my bedroom like that's a really cool experience and it becomes like a badge of honor like i love this band so much i own their record what do you do to show your passion for your band that's true and it's not it's not available anymore it's not available yeah i push play on my spotify that's you know there's there's nothing nothing really exciting about that i guess it sort of goes to show the uh the power of the the female teenager as far as what what they can do when they put their mind to it. But as you uh, all the way back to the Beatles, huh? I mean yeah. like that. <laughs> true. What is the true engine of pop music in this country? <laughs> and you look at also, I mean, I just look at different things in back in, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember when it was back in 2012 or 13 or so Jack White had um, created an album, a vinyl record in one day, 24 hours. They had some mm -hmm. crazy thing to, to produce it. But again, uh, that was somebody that, you know, that got some national news and that again reinvigorated that. I look at my Facebook feed and I see young people and old people alike, which really makes me happy. Uh, although I hate the post, but they're like, they'll post the record album cover right next to their turntable saying, Hey, listen to the Eagles Hotel California or we're listening to whatever, whatever it may be. And it's really cool that, that we're listening to vinyl 
you know, and the people that you talk to throughout this documentary really brought that out again. I've only seen the trailer, but it's the experience of listening to music and music really is sort of a healer. It brings everybody together. You can sit around. I mean, before my time, I mean, you know, my parents would probably sit around the hi-fi and listen to records. And that was that was their entertainment for the evening. This is probably before they had concerts and, and everything else like that. But it's a shared experience with it. I know my girlfriend's daughter has a turntable. She got it about two years ago. And every Saturday and Sunday for breakfast, we turn around and, you know, she picks out some albums to go on there. And we listen. We listen to some new stuff, some old stuff, some, you know, stuff that predates both her and me. And it's wonderful. Yeah, it's a really special thing, and and it it actually like I, I we are not Chris and I are not anti streaming people. We we think it's really we think the truth of the story is that streaming is that Spotify and vinyl records kind of rise at pretty much the same time, and we think that's so because streaming is basically a way to audition something before you plunk down the money to buy it on vinyl. And, and that's great. You know, like, like vinyl records are not cheap anymore. They, they are if you buy them all used, but, but they were cheaper 15 years ago than they are now. Um, and so unless you have unlimited funds, it's great to be able to stream something before you buy it. Um, what that means is like Spotify works on an algorithm and is designed to predict what you will like next. Um, records do not have that technological advantage. What it means is I think we are all, when records become one of the primary ways that we listen to music, we all become more open-minded than we previously thought we were. Um, we, we tried to get every sort of person in our movie, young, old, different races, sexualities, nationalities, homelands, and musical tastes. And I don't think we were able to successfully predict what any person in our movie listened to. It was always more interesting than we thought it was going to be. And I think that says something about the power of vinyl records. At one time, it, it, we're all we're all bigger people than we thought we were, and by by being bigger people, we all overlap with people who don't seem like us more than we thought we did. Well, how did you guys? How did you guys just come up with this idea to do this? I mean, it was just a and and what's your experience? I mean, have you what is what have you done before? So, like Kevin was saying earlier, like he initially came up with the idea and brought it to me. And Kevin has experience writing books and and, and magazine articles and, and web articles, but not experience, you know, making films. And um, I do have experience making films and made a number of shorts and I made a narrative feature based on the script that I wrote. Um, but I've never made a documentary. Um, I always thought I, I probably would make one, but I never sat down the think that long and hard about what it would be so when kevin came to me with the idea it also just happened to be good timing because i i too was looking for my next project to work on and my wife and i had gotten back into records probably around 2014 we got in a turntable um and uh you know i had worked in a record store right after college but at that point in time that was the late 90s so we were basically exclusively selling cds with a handful of tapes you know records were, were essentially gone at that, that point in time um so i hadn't really listen to records tech for, you know when i was a little kid i had my fisher price record player we had some 45s had some sesame street records but i never really gotten into them that way i was you know cassette and cd generation so getting into them again as an adult was was 
interesting to me. And like I mentioned, my daughter started to get into it. And so I was really curious about why these young people were getting into it. Um, yeah. And so it's just kind of good timing. And like Kevin said, we talked on the phone for, for several months. Um, and then as part of that, we started just reaching out to people first in, in our networks. I would say primarily Kevin's network. Um, to find people who were record lovers, who were parents, who were sharing vinyl with their kids, uh, but also then finding people who own record labels, who own record stores, who might not fit the stereotype that we had seen in high fidelity, uh, you know, like older white males only, being the only people into records. So like we don't we don't think that's true, but we need to to find <laughs> those people that don't quite look like that. And then every time we talk to somebody, just asking them like, who are three people we should be talking to? And then and then realizing that. You know, like you said, Jack White with Third Man Records is, is an important component of, of this. So we definitely wanted to reach out to Third Man. So we have Ben Blackwell in our documentary. We talked with Billy Fields. He's at, uh, you know, with Warner uh, Music Group. Um, and Warner was the first major label to, to essentially support Record Store Day. So we wanted to get that in there. We have Urban Outfitters and Crossing the Story. But really, we want to just talk to the people that make up Vinyl Nation. And Kevin came up with a title before anything else. And so we realized with that title, we had to get travel essentially all over the country to talk to these people. So throughout the whole process, we, we had a Google map going. We were dropping pins uh, based on who we were talking to and, and wanted to make sure, are we covering the nation? <laughs> um, and that was really important to us. And for there were areas of the country that we hadn't touched on. We were trying to make sure that we were as best as possible, including them. And then it really just came down to budget and time. And, and then, uh, yeah, and then we just you know hit the road and started shooting this thing. What area of the country is most into vinyl? Do you know? I think I think when we first started, we would have said, well, you know, obvious obvious music towns, not just places like New York and LA where the music industry is based, but places whose identity is explicitly tied in with music. So Detroit, Chicago, Nashville, New Orleans, and then as we continued on, we the, the we completed the movie in February of 2020, uh, right as the pandemic hit. How's that for timing? And the um, and then Record Store Day 20 Record Store Day 2020 was supposed to be in April, and and there wasn't a record store opened anywhere in America. And so we had this idea. We had this idea. Well, you know what? Like we're we're kind of looking around for what to do with our movies. Our movie. Maybe we can offer it up digitally. And record stores, independent record stores can sell tickets and they can keep the money and we'll just do it as a fundraiser for independent record stores. We did it in conjunction with Record Store Day for one weekend on what would have been Record Store Day 2020. It was a huge success. And what we learned from that, from the, from the 250 record stores that participated, was there's, there's a great record store in every corner of the nation. Uh, we actually weren't getting out over our skis by calling the movie Vital Nation, even though we thought we were. Um, and we realized that like, we started, you know, we started hearing from people in Boise, Idaho and Visalia, California and, 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 you know, and Sioux City, South Dakota being like, we roll hard for vinyl here and our record store and our local music venues and our local radio stations. And we just want you to know that. And we're like, message received man like, like how cool is that like uh also really dangerous because chris and i know that like the minute we can go to film festivals in person like if we could be at the annapolis film festival in person 
uh, our attention would be super divided between <laughs> between the festival and a place like Chunk Records, where where we would where we would probably spend minimum the value of our plane ticket home, or, or Soundgarden up a couple miles up the road for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and that's one of the beauties is uh, there's more than one person in our film uh, make a point of when they travel to any city in the country, they, they, they make sure they go to the local record stores. And in fact, Roz Lee, uh, who's in our film, she, she before the pandemic traveled a lot for her work for the Ms. Foundation. And before she does anything, she lands in a city and she goes straight to the record store because she says there's been like once or twice where her schedule got so busy that she couldn't get to a record store and she was so frustrated. Because that's the other thing that's exciting about records, especially if you're digging for used records, is you don't know which records are in the record store in that city. And something that you might have been looking for for, for months or years might be in that record store. And until you go there, you just don't know. But also, there's probably something that you didn't even realize you wanted that all of a sudden you're flipping through the crates and then boom, you see it you're like, oh my God, I got to have it. Or as Kevin likes to say, you pull a record out of the crate and the person across from you points at you and is like, oh man, you got to buy that record. And you're like, okay, I don't even know what this is, but I'll, I'll buy it based on your I'll, recommendation. I'll take your word for it. Are there any more chain record stores or is everything independent now? I mean, I know there's FYE and like Barnes and Noble, but there aren't, I don't believe there are any chains left, are there? It's not a perfect parallel, but there, the, the record store industry has roughly followed the same trajectory as the bookstore industry, which is that the ability to buy the thing digitally has led to the in-person experience having to be that much more special. Um, and so it's just not special or was not special to go to Sam Goody's, like, and, but it is special to go to Kachuk. Um, and because it's unique and it's different and, and the people there know music and, and they've set up the source. So the experience of being there is as special as what you will find there. Um, and so it's a, I, I'm not going to say it's ever an easy time to run an independent record store, but, um, but the future, the future at least of the in-person music buying belongs to the in-person record store much more than belongs to the chain record store. I'm not even sure there's much of a business for the chain record stores anymore. Yeah, I was. I say the basically what has happened is the the closest thing to a chain record store now is Urban Outfitters or Target or Walmart. To be mm -hmm. honest, I mean they're really. I honestly, there there are certainly independent record stores that are successful enough to have multiple locations within their area, but it's it's still a local record store. Just they might have to have they might have two, three, four or six locations, but that's about it. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is. And like Kevin's saying, it's about having a special experience. And that's funny because I think there are people, a lot of people have different opinions about record store day. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Um, if, if like buying new vinyl that comes out exclusively on record, door, record store day isn't your thing, that's totally cool. But if you are into records, Record Store Day is actually a great day to go to your local record store, even if you wait until like mid-afternoon when there's not a pandemic, because usually there's live music going on. There are a ton of people at the record store, and it's just a great day to kind of hang out with people who love records. And most record stores are doing specials on their used records on that day. So it's just it's just a great time to just go and hang out. And 
you don't have to wake up at the crack of dawn or, or stand in line for 24 hours. You can definitely participate in the fun uh, and the camaraderie on that day with everybody else. And like I said, just, uh, you know, listen to some great music at the same time. It is. It is an event, the record store days. And it's funny you mentioned earlier about the comic stores and doing the free comic book days. And there's a local comic store here, which ultimately is one of the top 10 comic stores in the country called Third Eye Comics. And during the oh, pandemic, yeah. as, as they tried to figure out how they're going to deal with everything in the pandemic, Steve brought in a whole section of vinyl records. And it's mm-hmm. it's curated and it's, and it's doing really, really well. So, I mean, it's not – they're not an independent record store, but it's a – it's certainly something else that attracts people there. And people are like, wow, they've got vinyl in there. They've got a pretty decent selection of it. And it's um, it's it's still so heartening to see – how vinyl is coming back. And some of the people that you spoke with in the film, I mean, they share their experience and that's what it's all about. It's a common experience of sharing music and how it brings everybody together in any number of different ways. Yeah. We really hope that people see our movie um, and want, and, and the feeling they get from vinyl nation is not just like, Oh, I need to run out and buy a turntable now, or I need to go to the local record store now. Although we hope you do that too, because we wouldn't have made the movie if we weren't into those things. But really we hope what you get from it is like, these are the kinds of people that are into vinyl records and they're just like you. And they're actually, it's like a thing we all have in common. And it's, it's a really pure form of human connection. We hope people watch Vinyl Nation and say, wow, I feel like I've just met 45 new friends. Well, um, if you want to watch Vinyl Nation, uh, AnnapolisFilmFestival.org is the place to go to buy your ticket or your pass. And I do recommend a pass because there are 108, last time I counted, I think, movies and films that are showing. There's some are shorts, some are features. This is a feature documentary. It runs about an hour and a half long. And you can catch this anytime between April 9th at 9 a.m. and April 18th at 11.45 p.m. So you can watch it at your leisure uh, in front of your turntable, maybe with your favorite favorite album stacked up on the couch next to you or something like that. Um, we were on the phone with Chris Boone and Kevin Smokler, who are the directors and producers of Vinyl Nation. And this is um, one of the films that I'm really looking forward to seeing. I've got it in my queue up on their app that does – that plays the films throughout the virtual thing. I wish it was in person because, you know, this would be, this would be a perfect thing for Annapolis. I mean, you could do something at Kachunk. You've got say hello, you got the parties, you've got the whole nine yards. What's the future look like for vinyl nation? What is, what's beyond the festival circuit for vinyl nation? And then you guys personally. Well, we, we have a couple things going brewing uh, for our release. We're, we're basically in the midst of the festival run right now. And like I said earlier, we're kind of doing everything backwards. So we did our fundraiser for Record Store Day with the record stores last year during the pandemic. Uh, we did a virtual cinema release in the late summer, early fall. And now we're doing the festival run. So just again just turn everything upside down and that's the way we've approached it. But it's been fantastic to be a part of festivals like Annapolis Film Festival to share our film with their audiences. Um, and then we can't quite say what's coming down the road, but, um, you know, people check out our movie during the film festival and they want to um, follow, follow along with the story. I definitely suggest they follow us on our social media channels, Facebook and Instagram. We're at Vinyl Nation Doc for both of them and our website's Vinyl Nation Film. But soon we will be making an announcement uh, about kind of the next step for the film and something I think both Kevin and I are, are really excited about. It's something I think will be special for the fans. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to that, but uh, we, we 
So we got to keep it under wraps for a couple of reasons, um, but hope to be making an announcement shortly. Okay, so that's called a cliffhanger, there, right? You're gonna, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna leave us hanging. Okay, I got it. I, I see how you guys work. But what what's on the what's on the agenda for you guys personally? I mean, uh, Kevin, are you looking to write some more stuff or get more into film? And Chris, what are you what what are the next projects? Any any on the books? I've got a contract brewing for another book, um, and then we've got some we've got some ideas for for future films we need to, that uh, we we want to talk about. But like we, we we feel like we have we have several miles to go before we sleep with this. Movie. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I have, <laughs> I'm usually the person, I'm usually the person who's like, okay, what's the next thing? And Chris is, and Chris is like, stop, stop clearing your plate. The meal hasn't come out of the oven yet. And, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and so uh, I, I think, I think we're, we're, we're pretty much focused on making sure that the story of Vinyl Nation is, is complete because, because it was sort of interrupted before it even began. You guys ready for the divorce court or are you ready to like, uh, you know, we, we're still here and we're together and we're talking on this phone together. So it sounds, it sounds yeah. like it's gone pretty well. Yeah. But I, but I will point uh, we, out one's out in San Francisco and the other one's in Albuquerque. So, I mean, we, yeah. Yeah. So, well, maybe, maybe that's why it works so well. No, I was kidding. Um, well, hey, yeah. Kevin, Kevin likes to say, Kevin likes to say he, he has the questions and I have the answers. I'm not sure if that's always true. I like to say that Kevin is, Kevin is the front office and I'm the back office. Um, I think we each have our, our strengths and we, we definitely each have our weaknesses. I know, God, I know I have mine. So um, I, I, we're pretty complimentary. Uh, we're pretty complimentary in terms of our overall skill sets. And yet um, when it comes down to it, I think we sh- for this project, we ultimately shared the same vision um, on it. Um, and and, I, and that that definitely helped. We were always moving in the same direction when it came to what's going to be the best story, what's the story that we ultimately want to tell with this. Um, I think early on we would have figured that out during just our, our weekly phone conversations, and then when we got into our research, it was becoming clear that this was something we we each wanted something different out of this, or we thought it was something different. We would have just been like, "Yeah, this is fun, but I don't think this is going to work out." Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely been an interesting ride for sure. Um, and again, being in different cities, like we literally would get on planes in different cities, fly to the same city. Our, our cinematographer was coming out of LA. So we were always coming from three different locations to land in one. And it was, a, it was honestly a miracle that we had, like, we literally had, I think, two delayed flights the entire time. And only one of those cost us an interview. And that was an interview that had been set up less than 24 hours before we were trying to make it happen. And that's the only reason it didn't happen because we never tried to schedule an interview on a flying, uh, on a travel day. And we did try to do that to squeeze it in. And and of course, you know, the travel gods are like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Other ideas. So so, yeah, it was a last minute interview that fell through. Uh, It just so happened to be with Terry Colleton of record store day, but we had other people talking about record store day. But since we had made that connection, you know, Terry has been a huge champion of our project ever since. And, um, and that's been great. So we lament the fact that we didn't have her on camera, but because we had at least uh, made that initial connection, she's been helping us get the movie out into the world and connecting us with record stores. So yeah, overall, I think I think it's been a really positive partnership. Kevin, you want to contradict me on everything I just said? <laughs> no, I think like I think it's important to I, I think the most important thing because because is to not have a partnership where you agree on everything because that, that that's not a partnership. That's that's just shadowing each other and um 
but to ultimately trust the other person and what they bring to the table. And I, I think Chris and I both, I, I think Chris, Chris and I both trust our commitment to the story in Vinyl Nation and the respective skills we have that we both showed up with. I think we knew pretty early on that we would get off the phone from these calls and we always felt like we were making progress. And we always felt like, like we, um, that we backed each other up. Like if, we, if someone wasn't good at something, the other person would pick it up and vice versa. And I, I think if we hadn't had that, we would have realized pretty early on that we were, that we were ultimately headed somewhere pretty fruitless and that the, the, the end, the end group was going to run out on this record pretty fast. But, um, uh, but no, I, I, I'm, I think we're both pretty happy with how it ended up. Well, fantastic. Well, we are talking with Chris Boone and Kevin Smokler, who are the producers and directors of Vinyl Nation, which is going to be premiering at the Annapolis Film Festival April 9th, starting at 9 a.m. and running through April 18th at 11.45 p.m. at your leisure. So you can get your box of popcorn and your sodas and sit on your couch and watch it whenever you want. You can get your tickets and passes at annapolisfilmfestival.org. And you want to make sure you follow Vinyl Nation Doc on social media and Vinyl Nation Film to find out on online on the web, which is going to find out where this is going to go and the little cliffhangers that they left us with a little bit ago there. Find out where the next step is for this really cool movie that I am looking so forward to seeing in actually right now we're recording this probably two days before the festival. So in a couple of days, I'll be able to see it, uh, the full thing. And I'm looking forward to that. Guys, I want to thank you very much for your time this morning and congratulations on putting it out. I'm excited to see it, excited to see what the future holds. And it's really kind of cool that we got like a local connection here with two Hopkins grads and, uh, you know, Kachunk and, you know, you know, all the haunts here in the area. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. Thanks for having us, John. It's our pleasure. Yeah. Hey, John. Everybody's a dreamer. Everybody's a star. Everybody's in showbiz It doesn't matter who you are There are stars in every city In every house and on every street And if you walk down Hollywood Boulevard Their names are written in concrete Don't step on Greta Garbo As you walk down the boulevard she looks so weak and fragile That's why she tried to be so hard But they turned her into a princess And they sat her on a throne But she turned her back on stardom Because she wanted to be alone You can see all the stars as you walk down Hollywood Some that you recognize and that you hardly even heard of People who worked and suffered and struggled for fame Some who succeeded and some who suffered in vain Rudolph Valentino looks very much alike She's not very tough She should have been made of iron or steel But she was only made of 
and blood You can see all the stars as you walk down Hollywood Boulevard Some that you recognize and that you hardly even heard of People who worked and suffered and struggled for fame Suffered in vain. I wish my life was a nonstop. More than 100 films from documentaries to features to shorts. Those made in Malta to those made in Maryland. The Annapolis Film Festival has something for everyone. Passes and tickets available now at AnnapolisFilmFestival.org. Never feel any pain. And so you.